the most miserable three months of my life. I just want to, I want to own this was being the like lame duck. Speaking of ducks here, um, being the lame duck CEO for 90 days while I trained the new group. And I was like relegated to the sidelines. I wasn't in charge anymore. I really didn't. Uh, and so, yeah. The worst three months, he said of all of it, it wasn't starting it up. It wasn't going fetal. It was the three months training the uh, dumbasses to run your business. I think that's basically, that should be the topic of the uh, episode here is teaching dumbasses to run your business or something like that. But like, Welcome to the Small Business Safari, where I help guide you to avoid those traps, pitfalls, and dangers that lurk when navigating the wild world of small business ownership. I'll share those gold nuggets of information and invite guests to help accelerate your ascent to that mountaintop of success. It's a jungle out there, and I want to help you traverse through the levels of owning your own business that can get you bogged down and distract you from hitting your own personal and professional goals. So strap in, Adventure Team, and let's take a ride through the safari and get you to the mountaintop. Welcome back to the Small Business Safari. There is no global warming. I'm here to tell you that. Oh, wait, that's not what this podcast is. But let me tell you about this guy who died in uh, the small town in Gainesville, Georgia. It's called True Crimes. So now we're in the True Crimes genre. So now we're going to pump it up. We're going to be crazy, right? Where are you going with this, Chris? I'm going with this. Okay, so I'm not that guy. I'm not in that world. But listen, I put a newsletter out now once a month where we capture what we've done. Like that segue? Huh? <laughs> I got it all the yeah, way, baby. I'm it all the way home. Yeah, I'm oh, God. Quite, I'm not quite there yet. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to Land get this plane. All right. Newsletter. Go out there and subscribe. Check it out. Get into this thing. We're putting some great gold nuggets. We're summarizing all the podcasts. I'm putting a little video out there that's just as crazy as global warming is not real. Uh, I'm putting videos out there about true crimes. Um, well, at least I'm, I'm not doing that, but I'm, but I've definitely got really cool, awesome videos I can do. So I had to go out there, plug that, go out there and check it out. Um, if you want to know where, you can always go to chrislalamia.com and sign up for the newsletter because I can guarantee you once a month, it'll be at least worth 15 seconds of your time. That's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking for. That's, not much. Seconds. That's no. not much. All right. All right. Let's get into this. We've got a guy that I had met a long time ago, and we were shooting it around right before we got on the podcast that we have not seen each other physically in five years, but I do feel like I know. It sounds like a restraining order period. Well. I uh, actually, he does live in Athens, Clark County, and I, you know, my son goes over there, and I, I have been followed by the cops, and I think they know that I'm close. I'm getting close to Tyler's house, so we have Tyler Jeffcoat on, and Tyler has a really unique business. It's called SellerAccountant.com, and if you want to sell something on Amazon, you want to sell something in e-commerce, and it sounds like it's really easy. In fact, I just laid this out to my son who's in college, and just uh, I said, "Hey, I'm going to be interviewing this guy. He helps people sell stuff on Amazon." He goes, "Well, how hard is that?" I said, "Oh, buddy, I'm, I'm guessing it's one of those things where it's not hard to start; it's just hard to do well." Yeah. So this is going to be a really interesting episode. Tyler, welcome to the show. Looking forward to kicking around with you, man. Oh, boys, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Tyler, you came. Uh, you went to UGA. Uh, go dogs, national champs twice in a row, going for number three, three feet. Look out. Huh? How do you feel now, Alan? It you? still hurts. Uh, all right. Al, one of Alan's kids went to UGA, but I still give him crap. No, I'm a duck, and I'm still just feeling that pain from that massive beatdown last season. Yeah, well, we at least it was in the national championships. Yeah, Dan Landing's great. We, we, we love we love that guy. Yeah, no, he's, right. he's doing great things. Unbelievable. That all guy right. can recruit too. Okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. Alan's back on the duck wagon. Quack, quack. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens on this season. But <laughs> Tyler, so you went to UGA, uh, but uh, one of the things that we share in our bio is that we both work for the same company, not at the same time, 
but you went to work at SunTrust Banks, where I had just left to start my own business. Tell me, uh, tell us, you know, how did you go to that and then start the leap? Yeah, so I worked for a nonprofit for a couple of years out of college and then ended up working at SunTrust, you know, a sales guy, market manager doing investments. And, and, and then when I was backing, I ended up getting a chance to move back to Georgia. So I am an undergrad from UGA, love it here. We're, we're probably eight minutes from campus. And so I was back in grad school as an MBA student at Georgia. That's where I met uh, our mutual friend, Chris Hanks. We were kind of talking about him a minute ago, met him as an MBA student, which is basically code for somebody in your corporation has decided to put together a budget for you to go to school while you're working for them. And uh, thank you, SunTrust, for doing that. But, but about how through the yeah, it's like, listen, but it, it didn't end well because I got to a point within my SunTrust journey and, and discovered that I'm just not a corporate guy. I'm just not. I, I, I didn't get it. I was a cog in a really big machine. I wasn't great at it. Um, I was a good performer, but I didn't understand why I was there. And I, I was getting to a point where I wasn't playing nice with others. And um, oh, that sounds familiar. Is that, is that something there seems to be a pattern. And I, I, I blame SunTrust, not me, not Tyler. Uh, <laughs> it okay, must man. be SunTrust's fault. Yeah, it must have been. Or maybe we're talking to, we're talking to birds of the same feather here. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not. We are not saying that SunTrust was like the depths of Mordor or like you know the Death Star. We, we, we're not. That's not what we're saying here. Actually, we're just saying that if you have a lot of entrepreneurial DNA, being a part of any Fortune 100 company can feel like a suffocating, you know, boa constrictor kind of move. And so. I was in an MBA class with a guy who convinced me that having one paycheck is actually riskier than having a hundred customers paying you a little bit. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And so about the same time, I had a guy reach out to me and say, Hey, um, I got some money and I'd love for you to join me to build this healthcare company in 2012. And I was like, what me? I'm 29. I don't have any money. Never worked in healthcare. I'm completely unqualified. He's like, you're my guy. And so uh, went to my wife and was like, Hey babe, I know you just quit your job. We have a six week old. Um, but I'm thinking about quitting my, my job and joining a guy you've never met to build a company in an industry we've never worked in. You know, what do you say? And to her credit, she's like, I think, uh, I think we should do it. Let's go for it. And so into Good 2012, Lord. we, uh, wow. We should do a whole podcast on that. You know what? Yeah. Skip this. Get, get, get out of here. We want to talk to her, man. Are you nuts? She goes, ah, oh, this is a great idea. Yeah. I got an eight week old. You quit that job. Who needs benefits? I, I, I believe in you, honey. Wow. And then the next day it was even better because I was like, yeah. Okay. So remember when you said that was a great idea? We're going to, we're going to quit the job and start a business. Okay. There's a part of this contract with this MBA funding where I've got a stroke about a $20,000 check to pay them back for the tuition here. Uh, it's like the opposite of a severance. It's like a, SunTrust got a severance, right? Right. Uh, and so she was like, yeah, well, at this point I said, yeah. So, you know, I guess I'm, I'm going to stay with it. But but anyway, so we, we started this. So the gold company. nugget there is, is when you're dropping bombs on your wife, you spread them out. You don't <laughs> do it all at once. Don't, <laughs> don't just lay waste to it and drop the nuclear bomb. Two little bombs at a time and spread them out over a little bit. Yeah, 24 hours apart. Perfect answer. Way to go. That's, you know, great long-term marriage solutions. Yep. Yeah, that's what we pick a time when they're completely sleep deprived and there's not a lot of like rational thought happening because they're whatever up at two o'clock in the morning. And, you know, you you say in such a way that it seems like it must be good. This is why I'm a good sales guy, I guess. It was, it was, but it seemed for whatever reason, she said yes. And so we uh, launched a home healthcare company in 2012, um, started with a focus group of literally uh, 35-ish target customers. They named the company. They helped us build the essence of the brand. And we learned through that experience that listening to customers is a good idea. It was kind of an accident. We just didn't know what we were doing and decided to ask them. And so that company had a good run, you know, had like 100 employees at one point. Most of them were 
part part time. And Chris, are you writing down listening to customers? Is I just wrote down how long you've been in business. I just wrote. I did. I, <laughs> I wrote down two things. One, um, um, need to find another wife. Uh, two, uh, <laughs> I did not just. Say I can think she doesn't. Listen. I know she never listens to these things. No, I just, I was I was writing down that that he did it the right way, man. I mean, you know, somebody asked him to go on a journey. He said, I want to go on this journey. And we heard that how many times in the entrepreneurial story is that nobody started out when they were 17 years old and said, I'm committed and I'm going to do this. And by the time I'm 35, we just don't do it like that. Sometimes that opportunity gets presented to you and you got to know to, to take that door and open it. And he did. But then he went and listened to people before he just went off and said, you know what? I'm the smartest guy in the room. Home health care. Because in 2012, that was a hot thing, too. I knew a lot of guys getting into those franchises. I'm doing home health care. I got this. I'm going to figure it out. And guess who's not in business anymore? A lot of these guys. All right. So you're, you're in there. You did the focus group. You built your brand and your essence. I actually, I wrote down the word essence because I had to look that up. Yeah, we, we built it. And oh, we, of course, one here. Well, it's, it's good. It's all right. We weren't very smart either. We we. We barely made it. I, you know, it's funny. We actually almost bought one of the franchises that wanted to move into our area. And in hindsight, I'm really glad we didn't because learned a lot. You know, maybe it would have been. It actually, in hindsight, might have been cheaper to spend that 30K and just have somebody teach us how to do this. But we didn't do that. We got a focus group. Those guys named the company, uh, hired a bunch of people, made a bunch of mistakes, and um, ultimately got to sell that company in 2017 and start the one I'm in now. But I just... I just want to say this for any of you guys out there that struggle to manage um, like money, like I'm supposed to be an accountant with a finance focused MBA that worked at a major bank for five years. I don't know, whatever, all the different things. And I was absolute dog crap at managing our money as our business scaled from like just me to a hundred bodies. And I just want to say that I learned more through the like MBA of the fetal position at two o'clock in the morning for like the first year and a half than I ever did in any classroom. Um, you know, even though the classes were great, I think it's such a big admission and I love it. I do too. You know, a lot of times we don't want to say it. Um, but I was right there with him, probably just, uh, probably literally just 60 miles away at the same time from where he lives is probably where I'm at. And, uh, I was in that same fetal position at three o'clock going, what have I just done to myself and my family? What have I just done? <laughs> it's all going to come crashing in and we're never going to make payroll. Right. And so, you know, obviously that's a test of faith. It's also, um, just a good learning experience that education expense can sometimes be, uh, high, um, but ultimately, I did get to to sell that company in in 2017, and the most miserable three months of my life. I just want to I want to own this was being the like lame duck. Speaking of ducks here, um, being the lame duck CEO for 90 days while I trained the new group, and I was like relegated to the sidelines. I wasn't in charge anymore. I really didn't. Uh, and so, yeah. so let, let let's talk about that one for just a minute because we I've okay. got a couple of friends who've exited, and uh, we had uh, in the mastermind group I'm part of here, we had them. We had a number of guys come in and do this in a panel forum discussion of selling their businesses. And honestly, you've never heard guys who cashed out sitting on the beach bitch more in your life than really? these guys because of that. What he just, what Tyler just the said. humiliation of no, it was the, I have built this beautiful baby. I have built this beautiful baby. And now the adolescent is about to run and you guys come in and you start making dumbass decisions. And I'm supposed to sit there and go, well, uh, I wouldn't do that. I think you should do that. And then they're back in corporate meetings, which they never wanted to be in in the first place. So they they were bitching up a storm about exiting. And so uh, to have Tyler talk about that, too, a lot of us are, again, thinking about leaving the business and getting out. The worst three months, he said, of all of it. It wasn't starting it up. It wasn't going fetal. It was the three months training the uh, dumbasses to run your business. 
I think that's basically, that should be the topic of the uh, episode here is teaching dumbasses to run your business or something like that. But like, yeah. And, and so, but like, you know, because they needed to keep that, I was under contract for them to pay me. Uh, they moved me into a, essentially a bookkeeping role, you know, Hey, we need you to, to do the accounting. You've got an accounting degree, don't you? I'm like, yeah. And so what was really cool and, and I'm, I'm not proud of this, but over that 90 days, other than not getting to be in charge, I actually learned how valuable it is to have good numbers. Like, I mean, this seems like such an asinine thing to say after you sell a company that has a hundred bodies in it, but we were really not great at using like good analytics to make better choices. We were just like, grow, 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 grow. And we'll figure it out at some point. And so that last 90 days, I was like, oh man, I bet there's a lot of business owners out there who are, don't have a degree in accounting, didn't ever work at a bank. And like, are scared to death, just like I have been, that would benefit from learning how to get a better handle on their finances. And so that's really where Seller Accountant was born. All right. So you're, you've got this idea. Talk us through how you, you made the leap. So you cash out, you're, you're making multi-millions at this point. I mean, I'm sure it was a huge cash out. You could have made it all the way to 80 on a yacht in, where do we want to go? Uh, Turks and Caicos. Turks and Caicos is a good one. I would have uh, also put up uh, Monte Carlo. Okay. But anyway, so I, Tyler, you didn't go there. So I guess that's waiting for you when you're done. But you decided to go start it again. Do you have what it takes to start your own business? Are you tired of the nine to five corporate job and ready to make that leap into entrepreneurship? You need to check out From the Zoo to the Wild, the book by successful entrepreneur Chris Lalomia. This book is a unique perspective on the journey into the wild world of home services and delivering excellence in service while working in customers' homes. Lalomia shares his path to success in this industry, including proven customer relationship strategies, award-winning customer experience processes, and a unique approach to training a team of service technicians to perform at the highest levels. Whether you're a small business trying to scale, or a franchise operation. From the zoo to the wild will give you the mindset, habits, leadership style, and customer-oriented processes to succeed as a small business owner in the world of home services. So if you're ready to take control of your future, get a copy of From the Zoo to the Wild today, available on Amazon. Yeah, that, that does kind of, I, I don't feel as smart when you say it like that, but no, I, I honestly, two, two reasons is that it really wasn't uh, because I had an investor. I wasn't a majority owner. So I didn't, it wasn't life-changing money. It was cool. I've got runway to go build something for myself where I'm not just a quarter owner of the business. I can actually build a company. And, and because you're kind of bored for that 90 day transition, you got a little time to think about what's next. And, you know, I had been, uh, like selling stuff on eBay when I was an undergrad at Georgia a while back. And I was like, e-commerce is cool. And had a cup of coffee with a guy who owned a, a large software company in the Amazon space. And it just seemed like a really good fit. I remember that the guy we've talked about here a couple of times on the show already, Chris Hanks, that was his mantras that there are riches and niches, find something that's really finite and get into the middle of it. I actually think you're a, your buddy last week on the episode said that, by the way, if you guys haven't seen that episode, go to YouTube or listen to it on the podcast. These guys are awesome. But that's Todd you know, Howard's episode. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's, that guy's amazing. Right. And so believing that, and by the way, like riches and niches, it's easy to say that from like, Ooh, that's marketing. People are going to love me because I'm really focused. 
But the other part of it is I get to be lazier. Like I get to be lazier if I pick something that's really focused because I don't have to learn a million things. I can learn like three things and get good at them. And so as an accountant that's never had a real accounting job, you know, you know, don't hire these guys. But like as an accountant that's never had a real accounting job, I needed to get really focused on my practice. And so we chose e-commerce and Amazon sellers. As kind what of year was that? 2018. So two years before the world went upside down, right? Yeah. Everything went to e-commerce. Yeah. Nice timing. That was literally could not have been a better year to not be managing LPN CNAs that were going into people's homes <laughs> and to instead be managing a remote team that's helping people remotely uh, in the e-commerce space. So I, uh, I could not have planned that timing better, to be honest with you. It was great. This yeah. is awesome, people. Here's your gold nugget. See into the future, see when the next one's going to happen and figure out how you can start a business that can go just like that. Good luck, everybody. Hey, and, uh, That's you, after you find the perfect wife. Yeah, you need to find a perfect wife. And by the way, um, I'm still looking for that business with no employees and no customers. Uh, so sign me up when you find that one too. So uh, keep me on, you know, everybody keep giving me feedback. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. But All right. So back to your plan. So you, you built the business plan, but this time no investors. This was all on you in this time. So you were going to sell fun. You were going to build this up and you started to see that niche. Yeah. And we actually, and I, I had the, I could have built it without investors, but I actually got an investor that had connections in our industry and took and let him take a minority position to like fund something that didn't exist yet. So that was, so in some ways it was like uh, a, a double blessing. Cause not only did I, I not necessarily need his money, but like I had it anyway. And it gave me additional runway to kind of run until we figured it out. And so that worked out. Yeah. So seller accountant, I mean, we, we, you know, we've had ups and downs, um, but yeah, you know, we're about 20, 20, employees. So I haven't solved the no customers, no employees yet there. Uh, Chris, I'm sorry, but well, you know what? I, I would say I should forgive you because that's what we're supposed to say, but I'm like, you know what, man, uh, come on, quit screwing up. I'm kidding. <laughs> Do better. Just pile on. Hey, Do better, Chris. That's uh, that's actually my mantra for my daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Every she time get a t-shirt made, I am just kidding. I got a couple t-shirts I want to make. One is striving for solidly overweight, uh, when I'm in the gym, uh, because I, because I we talked about this before. Yeah, more horizon, less forehead. More horizon, less forehead. There's another one. Because uh, when I take pictures of my daughter, uh, and so, and then do better. When I told her that we were going to have leftovers tonight, and I wasn't cooking, and she said do better. So there we go. So, so Taylor, you got that to look forward to. Now let's talk a little bit more about this biz. So, um, explain to us uh, maybe a case study. It seems easy to sell something on Amazon. Tell me why it's not and give us an example of somebody you help get onto Amazon and sell stuff. Yeah, so it it is one of those things that seems like it'd be pretty simple because Amazon has something like 50% of all buyer searches start on Amazon. So you're like, heck, put products on there, people buy them. Here's the real challenge. The, the challenge is not getting something to sell. The challenge is making money, right? So our average customers across, I think it's something like 280 million in Amazon sales that we're supporting now. Literally 44% of that entire pile can you, of money. Can you drop that number one more time? One, 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 one more time because I, I couldn't put enough zeros in there before you kept talking. Yeah, it's, it's something It's something about a quarter billion, about 250, 280 million in sales. That, that's yeah. a B billion, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> not my sales. Now, to be clear, not my sales. Our no, customers. I know. Yeah. I know, but that that's, I, mean, I don't care, man. That's a lot of commerce, bro. That's awesome. Yeah. That's like a small puppet nation that you're supporting. I think it's wait a minute. Wait a minute, dude. Like, I'm this is a this is not a math pocket. I'm sorry, it is million, <laughs> not billion. I started thinking about it. I was like, wait a minute. 
what's the market cap of Amazon? No, no, it's not 250 billion, 250 million. I'm sorry. Okay. A quarter hey. billion, not 250 billion, to be clear. Hey, yeah. it, 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 an M, I'm still good with the M. Yeah, yeah. And especially with 250 in front of that one. Wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to sell $250, no, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> yeah. the, the, the issue is that, you know, 44% of the entire profit and loss statement goes to Amazon, right? There's an Amazon fee for picking and packing the product. There's an Amazon fee for just facilitating the transaction. And then you're paying Amazon to advertise the product. And so being profitable is hard. And and, aren't there, are, there's taxes involved now, right? And it kind of depends on where you're shipping your stuff. And so that could be a hairball in a hurry. Lots of hair, lots of balls. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. It's, it's a uh, lots of balls, Chris. Well, I hear that. Lots of balls, lots of <laughs> hairballs. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> that, that may be <laughs> Lots of balls in the air that are here. What? No, so, right, so one thing to add to that discussion. So, like when the pandemic was was in the heat uh, of the pandemic, there was a lot of additional demand. You guys kind of alluded to this on on e commerce, and cash was really really cheap. The feds were pumping money into the system, and so what did we do as Amazon sellers? We went out and bought like a million dollars worth of inventory because we were worried that our supply chain was going to get stuck in the Suez Canal again or something like that. A totally legitimate worry because it was so stuck. Worries. Yeah, it got way stuck. Like, like, like whatever 700 foot ship turns sideways, not what you're looking for. Like not, not a good situation. Right. And, and, but then the interest rates triple. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but they're not as good now. And yeah, demand just, I'm, I'm in real estate. So I kind of noticed that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sucks, man. And mm-hmm. so the net impact. I blame, I blame of, Alan. I, I, actually, I was thinking, I was looking for someone to blame. Now I, now, now I know. You, here I here, am. We'll put a face with that blame. It is definitely yeah. not the, it's definitely not our, our, uh, our government it's Alan. All right. So so that's a great one bringing up that Suez Canal turn. That that was one I think that was just a precursor to a lot of this. When you saw that you're like, wow, just watch how quickly something can get shut down with one I obviously it was a big thing, but it's one little thing that literally shut down commerce for people. And that was I mean, crazy. So it made sense that people were trying to stock up, but then next thing you know they're out of cash, right? That's exactly what happened. So you you fast forward to the like end of 2022, and all of a sudden we have all that inventory sitting in our warehouse, and we're out of money, and we can't borrow it anymore because the interest rates are high. And so our entire year, literally 2020 and 2021, were all about selling Amazon businesses. All the private equity uh, guys in the world were buying these businesses. It was a great time to be in the space. Now it's it's kind of hard because we've had to uh, do that thing where you liquidate bad inventory, you try to get healthier, you try to get better at managing margins. And it's also, I mean, it's good for us because we are still needed as an accounting and CFO partner, but it also sucks to like have every single CFO call be like, yeah, Jimmy, you're out of money again. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm I'm not making light of it, but it's like, you know, it's like, it used to be like, everything's a party. It's like, wow, I can't believe how much money you're making. This is great. I love being your CFO. Now it's like, Hey Tyler, why can't you find me any more cash? I'm like, well, it got stuck in the Suez Canal. Like, I, I don't know. What do we do here? And so, we, you know, and I, I don't. I, I actually have the Suez Canal. Right. Look at the bottom. Maybe it's down there. That's right. It's actually it's about 85 feet down. But I want to ask you guys this. So, like, I I um started my business, the first business in 2012, which means that I'm a, a pile of. Uh, there's a big pile of CEOs out there that have never had to lead a company through a bearish market. Like, I'm just curious. Like, what are you guys? What have you learned from your prior experience? Where are you learning? That's like, I think what Tyler's saying is, is since you're so old, 
But, Chris, but, and you've gone through at least 12 recessions since the Hoover administration. Thank so you. what is a nugget that you can give a young guy like that? Well, you know, listen here, young and, and everybody listen up here because you're listening on these fancy devices that you all have. And, and uh, <laughs> get off my porch. Get out. Yeah. So, hey, get up along, kid, and uh, turn on that transistor radio and give me that big battery. Um, here, Here's a good thing. Um, as you, you'll, you'll know this, this is going to ring. It sounds pretty. It sounds trite, but it's true. And that is not only don't know your numbers, but know your people and know your go-to-market numbers. And especially somebody like me, I've got 35 employees. I am not looking to get to 45 right now because I do think like in the home services space, we're going to pull back a little uh, here in Atlanta. Not a lot. In fact, I'm taking it and I'm liking it. But watching that and knowing how you can scale back down, because <clears throat> that's I think that's the thing when you go into bear market, that that's where you have your opportunity. And just remember is that if you come out stronger, leaner, and meaner, the theory of, of, you know, the rising tide raises all ships. So when it comes back, you're going to be ready to go to market quicker and, and stronger than everybody else. So it's, it's an opportunity. You just got to look at it like that. Right. And it, but it's hard because when you're staring, especially when you're staring at COVID in the face. And so for you, it probably looked like it's a quasi opportunity for the rest of us. We're all like, oh my God, the whole world's about to shut down. And all right. the news says we're all going to die and we're not ever, we're never, ever going to go back to work again. And it's hard to think about how you're going to get better when you're staring at that every single day. And and you have to be able to pivot around it and start looking for it. But it's it's hard. I mean, it was hard for me for the first three weeks to actually say, you know, my business will survive. Well, yeah, I mean, COVID was just a, a complete outlier. But I think just in a general recessionary environment, my mindset has always been, and I learned this back in my old corporate days, was it's a great opportunity to get better employees because right you know for the last number of years you can't hire anybody and all of a sudden uh there's going to be some more people on the market and you might be able to get better people and your weaker competition is going to flail so it's an opportunity for you to get back to blocking and tackling and making things real simple and you know telling yourself a recession doesn't mean all business stops there's people buying stuff every day and it's just, who are they going to buy it from? And you just have to be better. And if you are better, you're going to do all right. And then when we come out of the recession, you're just going to feast. I think this one's going to feel a little bit different as well. I, because again, back to last year, I said this before, uh, the definition of recession, you were in the accountant world. Uh, the definition of recession has not changed. And we, we retracted GDP and came back. And, it, and so it, it, it's been back. I think what we're seeing right now, uh, and, and I've just had this told to me locally, and I think this is uh, more relevant in Atlanta, maybe in a lot of markets, is that if you have a job and you're still working, you're not in a recession. Now, if your neighbor lost his job, he's in a recession. What's going on now, though, is entire neighborhoods are not getting laid off. It's house by house because of the distributed workforce where everything's going. So this is one where it's going to be, feel a little bit different, and that's the thing I've got. To, I've been watching out for, and I'm going to keep my eye. Well, it feels way different because it's a forced recession, don't you think? I mean, the government's trying to crush the economy just to kill inflation, and it doesn't want to be crushed. And I mean, people are still out spending ridiculous amounts of money on dinner and and all the places that you go to on vacation every yep. other week. Just because I'm still employed and I get to go to Lake Tahoe and <laughs> Vegas and Napa. <laughs> And Lake Oconee and New York City. Whoops. You didn't mention uh, that one yet. Yeah, it's a new one. And but but just because my neighbor got laid off doesn't mean I can't keep doing this stuff. So so when you, when you talked about that, you'd ask that question and, and you let the old people boy 
don't it's true right you ask an old person a question and they just do not shut the fuck up well and back I in just my did day that. i kept talking i mean a real recession is when you're waiting in a gas line you know and you have the odd and even license plates Ooh. whether or not you can get gas do you remember that one wow well that's really kicking way back yeah yeah because i mean the 70s recession uh and and i i was a kid so that didn't mean anything but uh yeah when you couldn't find gas and then the even odds ooh. so all right there you go other than that everything's great well let's go back to this so um who who is uh i mean uh what do you sell uh, i i have a product or is it i i go out there and buy sherman and i sell sherman on is it is it I have a product I'm selling on Amazon or is it I found a product and I can buy it here and I can sell it on Amazon? How does it how do they do it? It could be either. So there's different like we call them business models. So the arbitrage model is the one where you go buy a Nintendo from Walmart that's on sale and turn around and sell it on Amazon. Uh, you don't have a lot of a moat there, right? Any money can jump on those listings. So it's difficult to make much money there. And you've got to physically go buy something. So that's a difficult way to make a living at scale. The brands that we're most focused on are, are, are companies that would consider themselves brands. They've, they've they've taken a product and tweaked it and redesigned it. Literally, you know, gone to China, kiss babies, drink sake, develop a relationship with a factory, right? And then have your container ship that may or may not make it depending on the Suez Canal. And then so you actually are controlling more of the brand experience and you're leveraging Amazon's buyers, which is a bunch of them to help you get started. And so the cool thing is that Amazon will allow you to own your own real estate. Like your listing is yours. Now, if I'm selling a Nike shoe, I don't own that listing. Nike does, you know, that kind of thing. So, so our preference as a, as an accounting firm is to help the brand owners because they tend to have more of the problems that need our help, but you can sell anything on Amazon. You can sell something used on Amazon. That's just, that's normally going to be your really tiny hobby guys that are just trying to clean out the basement. Most of the real six, seven, eight figure businesses are, selling some kind of a product they help design. Yeah. Okay. So that's what you're focused on. So I had this really cool design. And instead of me trying to take it to the Walmarts and the targets of the world and pitching all the distributor distributors to do this, I can sell through Amazon. And that's the guys you're helping. Yeah. And actually what's crazy is that selling on Amazon allows you to go to the buyers at Walmart and say, look, look at the volume we've done on Amazon over the last six months. What do you think? And so I think it's actually become the new normal. You almost can't get the attention of a buyer with a within a traditional retail bricks and mortar unless your own website or a marketplace has has showed proof of concept. It just lowers the risk so much for a Target or for a Walmart or Costco. Yeah. All right. So are you a hundred percent of your businesses around Amazon or do you work with other online retailers? So any online retailer, it's, it, they fall into two buckets. A direct-to-consumer business means it's my website. I'm paying to drive traffic to it. You buy the stuff and my, it could be a Shopify site or something like that. Or a marketplace seller. It's different than direct-to-consumer. Marketplace could be eBay, Walmart, Amazon. But basically our entire business is around, I've got something, I've got stuff I want to sell. And that stuff gets sold online. Ah. All right, so... Uh, I've heard about this other one just recently as I was looking into this called Alibaba. And mm -hmm. so we don't buy from Alibaba. Never heard of it. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, I knew something. Yeah. You know a lot of things. Yes. Look at that. So you don't work with people like that. That You stick with your Amazon guys. Uh, but Alibaba is the Amazon for the Asian world. Yeah. It is. And the way we interface with Alibaba is that it's it's crazy to say this, but actually all of your factories in China list their products on Alibaba for American business owners to find and say, hey, if you were going to do your test run of 
manufacturing the green one. Hey, I, I can make the green one. And so Alibaba is a pretty popular way to connect with manufacturers. I think if you actually live in Asia, Asia, it's also a popular way to buy the stuff that we might buy on Amazon. But in the States, you're interfacing with Alibaba's all around sourcing. I need to source product. I need to find someone that's competent, you know, doing um, injection molding or doing like textiles or something like that. And I might be able to use Alibaba to message the guy behind it and say, wait a minute, you make that, what's your price? And try to get a quote, that kind of thing. Is it, is it possible for a e-commerce business to have a, just a long tail? And I mean, because what I've heard is you come up with a product and you put it out on Amazon and within six months it's copied and you're getting undercut price overseas. So how, how do you, uh, how do you navigate that? How are your people navigating that? It's hard. So, I mean, w- when you first said long tail, I, I wasn't sure if you're talking about just like your products. Yeah. yeah. No, I kind of used it wrong, but you know what I meant? But no, I, I do know what you mean. It's, it's basically like, can you get enough? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Can you get en- enough mileage off of this product to make the investment? You had to, you had to design it. You had to, you know, try to create the mold. You're going to spend a bunch of money to get product over, over from Asia. Can it stay? Can it stay relevant long enough to give you ROI? And the answer is it can, but it's just hard. And I think here's what's really cool: uh, whether it's ChatGPT or Asian sellers or Russian hack shops or whatever might be trying to get on and take advantage of the IP. There's just no substitute to kind of where we started this discussion, listening to your customers and understanding their use case. That's why, like, if if somebody out there was thinking about opening an online business. I would start with what's the thing that I would buy or something I'm buying that kind of hacks me off. And if you deeply understand your customer's journey, it's kind of hard to fake that. Like somebody that doesn't understand English that well, or somebody that hasn't actually lived where I live when I'm buying camping equipment or guitar stuff or whatever it is that might be my hobby. So if I design products around that, I have an unfair advantage longer. And then the name of the game is to say, how can I continue to build my brand? Because let's be honest, when you sell something on Amazon for the first time, even if it's your product, no one cares about your brand. They're buying it because it has Amazon's prime sticker on it and it'll ship it in two days to their house. Your job is to build that trust to where it's, you know, Amazon, Tyler. And then after a little <laughs> while later, it's like Amazon, Tyler. Like I, and so try to build your brand so that you can try to divert some of those customers to your own website or develop an engaging relationship. So, but, but to your point, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. So you fit in with Amazon and you, you, you work with people to help them with Amazon. As I have learned about Amazon, when they see a place to make some dollars, they come after it. And tell me how come they let you stay around and don't come after you and say, Tyler, get the hell out of the way. We do this way better and we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to have Amazon CFO consulting services. Chris, I got to say, that's a good question. Thank you, Ellen. Wow. Wow. We we keep score, by the way. It's really hard for me to say We keep score. And I'm telling you right now, that one right there, uh, I'm I'm actually, we're going to, we're going to bracket that one. We're going to have a moment. <laughs> I'm getting a little for clump, really. Uh, so, all right, but we got to let him answer this question because because I'm dying to it's know. Because good question, you are. I mean, you're dancing right around the dragon, bro. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. You got to call this segment the fetal position segment, where you're like, can I try to find a question that most closely elicits the fetal position tonight when Tyler's in bed? And oh, you just uh, you know, Tyler in the balls is what he's saying. I, I kicked it right the hairy balls. Yeah, you did. There's <laughs> lots of hairy balls. Here's the simple answer: is that Amazon is our, is our frenemy. Like we have to do business with Amazon because they own the eyeballs, but 
Amazon's already telling us, hey, trust me, we're going to pay you the right amount. We're going to take care of you. Like what, what these million dollar brand owners want is actually not to have to take Amazon at their face value. They actually want outside advice that isn't Bezos making Bezos more money because, and so it's actually because Amazon is so greedy uh, because well, let's be real, the antitrust stuff, whether it goes through or not, Amazon owns a ton of the value chain. And so being a partner that helps be on the side of the table with the entrepreneur that isn't Bezos, that isn't Amazon, because that guy is going to make money and, and they're going to find a way to make a uh, a cheap under market product. Like they're doing it right now with shipping. So if you buy Amazon Global Logistics, you can get product from China to America, normally cheaper than you would buying your own freight. But here's what's going to happen because it happens every year. Amazon's going to get X number of adopt adoptions to that new system and then triple the price. We're like, whoa, you know what? Now AGL is going to cost whatever, five $5,000 per container instead of 2000 And so making sure that you keep Amazon at arm's length is a really important survival strategy. We're talking about Safari here, guys. A way to get eaten is to make Amazon, get in bed with Amazon and don't keep an eye on them, you know? Let's just sit on that for a second. I know. Actually, that, yeah. I, I was going to pick up a whole lot of. Uh, <clears throat> sounds, sounds like a cheap date. <laughs> Bring him into bed. Keep an eye on him. Uh, so uh, again, you're dancing around with the bear doing that. So it sounds like, but uh, the buyers, uh, how much power do they have? I mean, I'm sorry, the sellers. How much power do they have when they come to Amazon? Because Amazon sets the rates, sets the deal. Da, 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 da. How do they get there and and actually? get to control what they get to, because you just said it 40 44 uh of their PL goes to amazon so you're starting right there it's it but uh i can't do the math help me yeah it's more than that it's a slightly more than half yeah more they take more than half <laughs> no they take less than half. they take less than half but you i get slightly more so i don't get if so if i made two dollars they're already taking i can't do that math either it's to ten dollars <laughs> they're taking four dollars if 44 i cents. 10 beers and you take nine Oh my God! I, uh, I which I need one. Mm. Uh, You're getting close to home here. Yeah. Well, it's, right, so here's go. here's the reason. Well, why do we put up with Amazon? Is is the real question? And here's why we do because Amazon still. Uh, has, I don't know if you guys have you guys have spent money on advertising before. We have marketing dollars. If you spend dollars with Google or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or YouTube and try to drive traffic to sell something on your website, you will get a five x better result with Amazon than you will with your own dollars. And so for a lot of product lines out there, because Amazon has so many, what is it? 300 X million prime users. So, so you use, you partner with Amazon and you use their buyer power to help build your brand on your website as well. And then you kind of have to have both. And so you put up with Amazon because frankly, they can generate cheap buying, converting traffic for you. And they handle a lot of the stuff you're bad at. Like, I don't want to have to open a warehouse the same time I'm designing a new product. Amazon's got a warehouse. And guess what? They're better at pick, pack, and shipping than you are. They're going to be able to do it cheaper. So even though you're paying them, they're a big chunk of your P&L. They're still probably less than you hiring four employees, putting a three-year lease together for a warehouse, and then paying FedEx to ship the stuff. That kind of thing. Got it. So I see the benefit on that. That's awesome. All right. Let's go back to you scaling your business, getting out of it. What is your role today in the business? How have you helped scale it from just you with an investor? And then you got employee two. Now you said you have 20 employees. What's your role today? And how did you, how did you get yourself through those roles? 
you know, like the hard way, probably, right? Like the easy answer is like whatever the hardest way is, probably that. But attaboy. <laughs> Me too, by the way. <laughs> I resemble that. The role that, that, I, way, I, the role totally that I can't seem to like hire well. And I finally think I've I feel really grateful for this. But like hiring another salesperson that can they can get it done in our industry has been a real challenge for us. We've had a couple that we've tried that just it didn't work out. And can you tell us their names? No, <laughs> <laughs> His name is, is Chris, his initials are Chris Lollian. What? <laughs> so you know, uh, we're big. We're big fans of the traction EOS system, and that's a that's a bunch of geeky words for like put systems around your business so that you don't have to do everything every day. Is that the one with the rocks? That is yeah. rocks. Level ten meetings. Yep. I uh, I self implemented um, at least part of it, so I'm actually not all the way through traction. I'm more like tracked. Yep. <laughs> it's like the triad hasn't happened yet. Tra. So, by the way, quick, quick story about that. Like, so I, I've also been like flirting with traction for like whatever, 10 years for the first company and then this one. And so what happened guys is last year, we finally got fed up with not doing a good job, like in every part of our business, like what is going wrong here? And we finally, we did. Okay. Okay. We didn't hire an EOS implementer, but we hired someone who was competent in helping us. That isn't an EOS implementer to be clear EOS out there. This guy is not an EOS implementer. He's not a part of your franchise, but he's really good with this. And so we hired a coach. So the point is, is when you're bad at something, you want to get better. You can bring on a coach sometimes to help you get farther faster and having this individual come into our business and say, Hey, huh, that's weird. You're leading a meeting and you're calling it an L10 meeting, but you're not holding anyone accountable. Would you consider doing this? And so like literally revolutionized the way we run our business. And as a result, you asked me what my role is. I get to kind of create content. I, I have my little podcast, Return on Podcast. Um, hey, you I, know, I got to interrupt you right there. Yeah. Um, so my wife's an accountant. I've been around accountants my whole life. I've gone to accounting Christmas parties, and they make me want to gouge my eyes out. And I listened to two episodes of your podcast, and you are awesome. And you have an you have an ability to explain pretty complex accounting principles in a way that a numbnut like me can understand and actually enjoy. I, I mean, great job, high five, bravo, great podcast. Well, there, there's not a question or a future. No, nope. it was a statement. Oh, I just okay. said I want to interrupt a little bit. All right, eat it. All yeah, right. can we go back? No, I was right in the middle of this. I was. He, I was, he mentioned I was, his podcast, and okay. I've given him. But, but thank you. Like, gonna, thank we're you. We're going to prop him just because I'm not propping up your podcast, which I happen to be a part of. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. giving somebody else a little bit of a no, pat no, on the back. You it's know, amazing just because podcast. you share. share are we going to have to go to couples others. therapy again? We are again. Oh, God, just because you share light with other people does not mean that I like that. <laughs> I, I want the light right here, focused on me, baby. Let's go. All this right. podcast is almost as good as yours, Chris. Uh, well, actually, I, I've listened to it too. I think it's really good. It's phenomenal, and you're right. For for let's face it, man, accounting is a boring flipping subject, and he makes it unboring. And makes it. I know he had one episode on the EOS and the traction, which we were talking about. Well, and and uh, and I will say to our listeners, so you know, you may not know our our target audience tends to be people thinking about starting a business or maybe they're new in business. They often are in the home services space. So he's got a whole series on cash flow. Cash is king. Brilliant. And I would encourage anybody who's thinking about starting a business to to just listen to those. He's actually there on YouTube, so he's got things that you can look at and uh, while he's talking, and it'll help you understand much more than probably the accountant. What do you? Why oh my are, God! We're back to another another Tyler advertising session. Listen, come on. Unless he gets us I'm free creature host. comforts when we go to Athens, you can't. Oh, he could that. do that. Yes, he can. By the way, I just dropped that. So thank you. 
That's what I wanted. All right. I'm, All right. I'm, I'm done no, you fawning did. You over our guest. You, you buttered him up. I'm just getting what we want out of this, just, which is I we're just going to Athens. for the top off of my beard because I'm so pissed at you. You should not be pissed at me. That was good. No, you're right. You, we'll, we're going to plug your podcast. Well, uh, we what just is the did. podcast? What's the name of it? Yeah, it's called Return on Podcast. It's like instead of ROI, it's ROP. Get it? You know, it's, it's kind of that kind See, of thing. That's fun. That's fun for an accountant. Isn't that great? Oh, I got it. Yeah, it took me a minute. No, I'm kidding. I got it. Of course yeah. I did. But it's not all about selling stuff on Amazon. Obviously, you've done, you talked about that, but you, you've got a number of things that uh, Alan brought up. Cash is King, the the traction episode, I thought uh, was good, stepping out, talking about how that works. Because for me, uh, I like how you did, <laughs> hey, you said you're running a level 10 meeting, but you're not holding anybody accountable. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's like, I, I was running the meeting, but when they didn't do it, what did happened then? Uh well, we just went to the next topic. <laughs> We're like, you know what, buddy? You'll get them next week. No, no big deal. Just hang in there, pal. And, and, and for me, honestly, Chris, it's because I'm I'm a better like visionary leader than I am a tactical manager. And so I need a system like Traction to make it idiot-proof for me to create accountability. I yeah. thought he was going to say he was a better visionary leader than you. And I, I was waiting for you That's to a, slash his not tires. a pissing contest. <laughs> it but of, however, you may uh, oh, look. Oh, oh, Tyler. Oh, we lost Tyler. Okay, great. All right. Tyler's off the episode. <laughs> Chris is talking only. Chris is I, I have got to, in contract, I tell my guys all the time, you don't snuff out somebody else's light to make your light shine brighter. You've got to just shine bright. you got to keep doing it. Don't put other people's work down, especially in contracting. However, I'm going against that right now. And Okay, so, I, oh, look, Tyler's back, though. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So you implemented traction. You got yourself. You realize. I think that's that's actually a huge realization. You can tell if you haven't figured it out. Listen to Tyler. Um, you have great self awareness, which I think uh, is an important point for a lot of folks who are trying to lead a business or start and grow a business. You got to have that, and it's hard sometimes, especially when you're in there grinding as hard as you can. But you've been able to figure out stepping back has been better for your business uh, to where you are now. So. Um, before we get into the rest of plugging your stuff, where do you want to take this business? Where, 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 what's your 10 year plan? What's your three year vision? What's your one year? Yeah. I mean, we'd love to, to be a bigger version of what we're doing. I think we like our niche. We like our customers. We love making our, you know, mom and pop three or $4 million a year, Amazon seller, kind of the hero of our story. And uh, it's, I don't know if you guys found this, but like when you're not doing a good job in your business, you're constantly thinking about exiting. You're like, oh baby, if I can just get to 2 million of revenue, then I'm going to exit and then I'll be happy. Like there's that kind of thing. But like, once you actually start executing well, you're like, oh. Yeah, can't relate. Uh, who am I fucking kidding? I, I relate like, <laughs> like every hour on the hour right now. <laughs> but thank you, Tyler. That one cut a little deep though, bro. I'm, I'm sorry. It wasn't a personal attack. It was a personal attack. But no, listen, we, we, will, we will exit at some point. But I'm not feeling as desperate as I was like a few years ago where it's like, oh God, please have somebody come give me money. I did think it's at least once a week. His eyes just went like, oh my, God. Oh, oh my God, that's so funny. So yeah, if you're running your By business, way, think, yes, we it, all think about that magical exit. If, but but here's the gold nugget there, though. Somewhere between 20 employees and 35 employees, that phenomenon happens where you're uh, ready to exit immediately. Is, is that is that actually the gold nugget here? Is that something happens? Yeah, I tell you, right now at 35, I'll, I'll give you at least 15 of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, but it, that's the growth. So that's the thing that as you're thinking about growing and you think about where you got to go. It's not just say pick a magic number of revenue in the top line, the sanity line or the vanity line that we talk about, because to grow, 
You're going to need more people. You're going to need more customers. They're in, inherently, as we heard from Brian Gottlieb on an episode, as you grow, it's easy to grow a complex business. It is hard to grow a simple business, which can scale better. And that was the nugget I took from Brian's episode that in my own business, he's right. It is easy to make things very complicated and complex because I can handle it, but it's really hard to scale it and then get out of the way and become that visionary you're talking about. If it's not easy and simple for people to see that line of sight where you're trying to go. All right. Did that make sense? For me, it did. Okay. I mean, that was cathartic for me because I went from selling my business to, okay, I guess I'll show up tomorrow morning. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Tyler's <laughs> taking a good long pull and you earned it. You did. Uh, Tyler, we're coming to the end of the episode. Uh, got a few minutes left. So we we pushed the uh, return on podcast. We talked about seller accountant. How else can people get a hold of you? If I'm in, if they're listening to this thing and they're like, you know what, I'm going to make my millions selling my awesome product on Amazon. How can people find you and how can people reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, well, if, if you're getting started, uh, selleraccountant.com is a good place to, to find out about us. We also, I, I agree with you that bookkeeping is not very sexy and it's especially not sexy to pay someone to do it when you don't, when you're not making money yet. And so we actually have a, a do it yourself course that's free. So if you go on our website, you can actually get access to our, like how to build your own QuickBooks online, how to do it right. Listen, once you start making money, get it off your plate, hire us to do it. But if you're looking to get started, we've got a free resource for you that we can, um, we can get brilliant. To. That is not only is that brilliant, that is genius people. You got to at least go check that website out for that, right? I mean, he just told you a free resource, right? I, I can't afford it. Hey, look, dude, I did the same thing. I kept it simple, stupid in the beginning. I did it all myself. I screwed it up horribly. You had to pay for somebody to fix it all. But don't worry about that. You guys go out there. You do the online freebie thing. At least check it out because that's huge. Because I can show you YouTube videos all day long about how to change your toilet. Good luck. Get so you can gush about Tyler. I don't get upset about it. Because I was the one gushing. Because if I gush, then the lights on me. Bring that up with the therapist. Oh God, not another thing. I mean, mean, it's already two hours a week. All right, so let's go back. (laughs) So selleraccountant.com, go out and check it out. You can check out uh, Tyler's podcast. Um, You can check out Tyler on LinkedIn. Go out there on LinkedIn with him because I think that's also a great thing. You guys go see a little bit more about what he does and what his company can do for you. So that is awesomeness. Absolutely. All right, let's get into our four questions, shall we? I think we should. All right, question number one. What is a book you would refer to our audience that you think they should go out and read immediately? The one that's had the biggest impact on me this year is Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. So if you guys haven't read Buy Back Your Time, I say read it right away. What's the nugget you pull out of that book? <clears throat> I think in a nutshell, he... he we've read lots of books about being more productive and finding out how to offload and delegate things that you shouldn't be doing in your business. I thought his energy audit leads to a job description with SOPs to hire an executive assistant was a game changer for me. It resulted in me hiring an assistant and that has changed my life as an executive. Yeah. That's awesome. I was about to say, uh, if I could, I don't have time to read that one. All right, no, okay, let's get forward. You, you could listen to it at two times speed, Chris. I did well. That's somebody asked me. He said, how, "How are you able to get these books and these podcasts?" I said, "I listened to one and a half." I, I said, "There's only a few of our episodes I've had to slow down." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you should, yeah, because yeah, I'm skipping over what I'm saying anyway. All right, number two. What's the favorite feature of your home? Yeah, we got a screen and porch. That's my second favorite feature. My first favorite feature 
is my shop because I just got power run to it and I've got my shop set up now. I'm pumped. Love it. What are you making? Nothing. I'm I'm making shit disappear from my garage and end up in a shop <laughs> while my kids don't mess it up, right? Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, so you're making your own mini storage. It's a, <laughs> what it it's is is a place that he can hide. It's well, essentially $8,000 of mini storage in an escape retreat. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mini storage escape retreat. Although he doesn't need to hide from his wife because she's awesome. We've learned that. Well, we have. I mean, if she stuck with him this long and said, oh, yeah, baby, this is great. What yeah. a great idea. Oh, boy. Yeah. Behind <laughs> every great man's a great woman. <clears throat> All right. Keep it going. Uh, again, back to therapy. <laughs> question C. <laughs> question. We have only four questions. And no, so number C. Question. What is a customer service pet peeve of yours when you're out there trying to get good customer service as an as a as a customer? Thank you as a customer. Yeah, we had a we had a um, home services guy come out last week and meet with my wife, and hasn't followed up. Like we want to give this guy our money, Chris. Why don't you call him back? You know, you could just why don't you just go out there and Google and slam me now? Um, (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, you're in Athens, bro, and so am I. Uh, So we'll get you hooked up. I got a n- number of guys out there reverse. So um, after awesome. this podcast, I'll let you, um, I'll, I'll okay. find out what's going on. He just built and it might be for me and it was awesome. It might be. Yeah. Thank you. It is. I know. Love I know. It. I know you do. I freaking love it. No, but I'm um, so paranoid. I'm not paranoid. No, I was just thinking on the Athens thing. Yeah. If I don't, if I don't uh, know who they are, um, we'll figure out who it is and uh, we'll get, we'll get them taken care of. Well, and this yeah. was kind of on like the gardening side. So this was just like, um, and so I wasn't sure if I wanted to spend money on this anyway, but if the guy's going to come out, my wife wants to give him money. Like you say, you're going to send us a proposal, send us a proposal. Dude, it kills me. As a husband, way. am I looking for an out? Am I looking for a potential out to not spend this money? I probably am. Hey baby, it's not me. It's him, right? It's not me. I, I was, I was, I had the check written and he won't, he won't call back. <laughs> you, you really want that Ivy garden on the right side of the house that I'll never look at. I mean, go get that, babe. I mean, I'll go. I mean, Hey, you supported me. I support you. Hey guy, don't call back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right nice all right I didn't, him, I didn't intentionally give him the wrong phone number it wasn't anything like that it was just, yeah. <laughs> now we're talking actually that's a move i would have made uh <laughs> my wife really wants this done uh so actually uh true story is my wife calls the office to get work done at our house she doesn't even let me know we had somebody showed up my I, I was in the production meeting on tuesday and they're like all right we're going to your house next wednesday i'm like oh we are oh <laughs> She goes, oh, yeah, Nicole called in directly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Because <laughs> she's been asking you for three weeks to do it. I was like, all right, yeah, I'm done. All right, last thing. Well, give us a DIY nightmare story. Yeah, so this is back to the shed. So I bought this shed. I'm proud of the shed, guys. My wife painted it. It looks good. It's at the right spot in my house. And it came with the package that has the the lights and the, uh, you know, the little uh, panel in there. And so I got to run electricity from the house out to the shed. And I think to myself, I'm an accountant. What could go wrong? Let's go ahead and dig a trench. Um, and instead of like spending 50 bucks to rent a trencher, I get my neighbors mad. I can decide to like dig this damn trench by hand. And halfway through the project, find, I found, I didn't know it was there, but I found the extension PVC pipe for the irrigation system, found it by absolutely destroying it. That's, that's how I found it. That's how we usually find them. Yes. 
<laughs> you know, I didn't know. Like, this is uh, if you're going to standard put operating you, procedure, isn't it? Isn't that how you're supposed to find it? I, I, hey, that's actually the way I usually do my projects. Oh, look, there's the electrical. Oh, look, there's the there's the there's the wastewater. Oh, look, that's the sewage. Oh, my kids just flushed the toilet right when I cut it. That's it's all about feeling a little bit of resistance with the swing and then swinging harder to see if it was just a a blip, right? So, so. I, I talked to a family member who's like, don't worry, I'll come help you run the rest of this, this electricity and, and get it done right. And and here we are two months later, it's not done. I can't use my shop. I'm not happy. Finally break down about a week ago and just text the guy that I've known for 12 years that does handyman services. I'm like, hey, buddy, I got a thing. Do you know anybody? And I, I wish I'd, I didn't know you weren't here in town. But I like, know, I, I know. Don't worry about it. I forgive you. He texts me and like within 48 hours, this problem is solved and it's solved for way less money than I thought it was going to need to be solved for. And so the, the, you're an accountant that really loves jockeying a spreadsheet and a podcast, like let a damn pro do the things around your house. That's what I learned. I love that. That's a good one. You, let, reminds- you let that go pretty quick. Uh, I was just to say, Tyler, next time you see Chris, if he kisses you on the lips, then don't go fishing with uh, any of his friends. Yeah, don't worry. The Italian mafia's out there, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we we we, we might have already just sent a text message saying to Google his address. And somebody might be outside right now, but don't worry about it. They are if, they, if they're in a trusted toolbox truck, don't worry about it. If they got a gun in there, it's okay. It's all good. Uh, no, those are great stories. That reminds me of uh, we did a pool in our backyard years ago, and I was told do it right and do it right the first time. Don't don't skimp, and I did for most everything except my outdoor grilling. So I had to go tap into the natural gas line to run uh, natural gas to the grill because I didn't want to use propane. I wanted to have the whole thing. So I brought my father-in-law down and my dad uh, came down. They're both from Michigan. You know, they're in their late 60s at the time. And we had to dig the trench. And so we're trenching and we're trenching and we're trenching. And we get it, we get the trench done. And uh, my father-in-law is a perfectionist. And uh, he's like, no, trench isn't deep enough. I'm like, it's 90 fucking degrees outside. I think that trench is perfect. And so he goes back out there with a pick and goes down again. And he hits the two-inch gas line. Oh, your dad did? No, my father-in-law, which is even better. Oh. And you could see it. And it was like, oh, shit. And the water starts flying into it. You know, I got the gas cut off, so that wasn't a big deal. But I had to have my plumber at the time come out and do it all. And had you know, to put these huge clamps on, cut it all out. And I'll never forget my father-in-law. We're sitting at dinner the night after. And he goes, I sure wish you would have hit that line and not me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I said, I understand, Nick. All right. This has been awesome. Guys, this has been an adventure. And you can hear uh, Tyler had always had the entrepreneurial spirit. He has never given up on it. And he's obviously done it twice. That's awesomeness. And it made it happen. But you got some great gold nuggets on how to do things. And you know what? Sometimes you share some of your best stuff when you admit that you made some mistakes. Guys, we're not all perfect. It happens. But you got to keep digging, keep going out there, problem solving. That's what makes us entrepreneurs. That's what makes us successful. Keep going up that mountaintop. Let's go make it happen. We're out of here. Cheers, Tyler.